podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Terrell Chestnut, former Mountaineer, and you are listening to the Raspy Boys here. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit. You are joining me and JN Fiend, that is. Jeremy Phoenix in the building. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. This is pop culture. That is pop culture. Hit you with that pop, 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 pop. I don't got you. You try to move on without it. You got me with the pop, pop, pop. But yeah, it's time to talk The Last Dance. Now, we know we typically stay away from sports when it comes to pop culture. But this genre is defied when it comes to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan transcends all sports. Do you know what I mean, Jeremy? Oh, absolutely. It doesn't matter who you is. It doesn't matter who you is. It doesn't matter which walk of life you're from. MJ did something different. He changed the game. He changed everything. Everybody pays attention to MJ worldwide, man, woman, child. He was just something different. He was a different monster. They say that Michael Jordan, according to Forbes magazine in 1998, from a June 2nd, 1998 article, that he generated $10 billion for the economy. $10 billion by himself, Michael Jordan. Can you imagine? That's not all sports fans. So what he did was he transcended sports. He got people who didn't care about basketball to love basketball. He got people who love basketball to cry when they saw him walk through the gates. And that's what Michael Jordan did. That's who he was. You know what? You know what's funny? And it's something I never really thought about before, which I should have, because when we're talking about growing the game and they talk about people who changed the game, what Michael Jordan did for basketball, clearly, like, you know, you had um, uh, Bird and Magic, who everybody loved watching, and it was a big deal. But when Jordan came, he had such an impact on the game, and like you said, impact on the economy. Um, a lot of times they'll talk about Tiger Woods and how much money that golfers are making now because Tiger Woods came along, because Tiger Woods brought in the TV ratings and everybody loving golf a little bit more, and people who wouldn't normally watch watch now. It never hit me that Jordan did that exact thing for the NBA. All these con- mega contracts that you're seeing now, all this money pouring in, these TV contracts, were all based because Jordan stimulated the game worldwide. I don't know. I, I guess that's something that's uh, simple, and I should have realized it. But it's just now hitting me that that's what he did for basketball. He makes everybody else that much more money because of the attention that he, he generated for the sports sport. Yeah, without question. That's why people will say he's the Michael Jordan of golf talk about Tiger Woods or he's the Michael Jordan of economics or whatever it is. Yeah. But, 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 but yeah, but when, when they say that I, my, my brain always, uh, went, went to just with, talent. Yeah. Just talent. you're the goat. You're the best of all time. It never hits me like the, the dollars and cents, how he grew the game. Everybody's contract is bigger today because Michael Jordan brought in all those eyes that didn't leave. Well, think about it. Here we are 22 years later. And there is a documentary that people are clamoring for so bad that they moved it from June all the way up to April 19th. And everybody jumped in. We all dove in. We all sat there and watched and couldn't believe that the two hours that it played felt like 10 minutes. It felt ripped off. 
that we can't just uh, binge it like we do everything else nowadays. Kim Webster, a fan, a friend of the show, um, a WVU alumni uh, and a alumni from the West Wing, she tweeted just recently, did ESPN not get the memo that we like to binge watch our shows now? <laughs> I didn't even see that, but it's, it's the truth. Because now you can't, I mean, because all I can think about was being able to binge watch every episode, go from the beginning to the end, and you can't. I mean, it's good because it keeps you hooked because I can't wait till Sunday gets here. And I never watch anything live, but I have my 12s on, the flu games on. I saw you, son, looking fresh out there. I had the flu game. Shout out to Jay and Fiend for hooking me up, showing right, brother right. love. Uh, fresh but yeah, fresh. I was ready, and I was watching it on time. Even though I recorded it, I watched it on time. And I'll do the same thing this Sunday coming up. That's You know, we'll get into uh, uh, the first two episodes here in a second. I'm just saying that is the first thing that I've ever watched. Which I, maybe maybe I don't, I'm not sure if that that's accurate or not, but it's funny because I had to work. I didn't see it live, but I did what I do with a regular big game. Like if I miss a big game, I turn on my phone. I don't look at uh, social media. I didn't want to see nothing until I got home and watched the actual documentary myself. It was weird watching it. You know, hours later and turning it on like it, you know, like it was a live game. It, it was crazy, but that's where we are in society right now. Yeah, yeah, I know. I could tell you waited to watch it because your tweets were old, and I was laughing at them. <laughs> I was like, people have been saying this for the last six hours. Jeremy clearly just watched. <laughs> but you're maturing. You didn't even text me to say, "Hey, hey, son." It's like you're maturing. I can see. Okay, I just thought there's no point. There's no point. I'm so excited. I, I had to, I had to do something. I had to do something. I had to contribute in some way. Um, I thought the most interesting thing was to me. I never realized how underpaid Scottie Pippen was. What do you think about that storyline? That was crazy. I never appreciated that either. And I, I just remember the year after Jordan left, him not be they them not giving him the last shot against the Knicks, and I just kept thinking, you're such a baby. I didn't appreciate everything that was going on. Much like a lot of stuff that goes on in sports behind the scenes, you don't appreciate. Uh, which we'll get into something with you know with with our Mountaineer family with that you know Kenny Robinson, but with Pippen, I just didn't appreciate what was going on. But how much, how much of that is the Bulls' fault, Jeremy? None of it's the Bulls' fault. That's 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 got these Pippins' fault for saying. But you know what? Here's here's the thing. So fine, not the Bulls' fault. Pippin wanted his money right now, eighteen million. They said, "Vaughn, go ahead." It was stupid on Pippin's part. Um, but that's the reason why nowadays, when players are sitting out and players are doing certain things, I don't mind because everybody plays by the rules that they're given. Um, so people say, "Oh, he's come back." He no, no, do what's best for you and your family. Figure it out, you know? That's how you I feel, to- too. I tweeted that. I said, I said Scottie Pippen's deal and Jerry Krause are the reasons that LeBron operates the way that he operates. And no- and and other people operate the way they operate. I'm yeah, sorry. Nobody, nobody plays a game like LeBron James. LeBron is the mastermind who owns everything. Him and Rich Paul, they they run everything. Can you imagine, can you imagine the GM going to the coach saying, you're not going to be the coach anymore on LeBron's team? It would never happen. But especially, that's the thing that got me the biggest thing. This is your last year. Oh, oh yeah, because we've been bottom of the barrel the last five years or six years. No, they just won five championships in seven years. 
what in the world? If I'm the, that's bad ownership. I'm sorry. The that's ownership terrible. stepped in and said, should have said, uh, Jerry Krause, little man, little man. I'm not hating Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause made some big moves. Like I said, trading Charles Oakley for for uh, Bill Cartwright. I didn't appreciate that. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Knicks fan through and through. Oakland's one of my favorite players ever. That dude was a dog for the Knicks. But Jerry Krause giving him up for Bill Cartwright because that's what they needed. Uh, tra- uh, drafting Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant. I didn't realize Pippen was such, from such a small school. I didn't realize Horace Grant and Pippen came in at the same time. Those are great moves by the uh, GM, Jerry Krause. But in the end, like they kept saying, he couldn't get out of, get out of his own ways. Yes, you had six, but maybe you could have could have had eight had you not been so prideful and wanted to do yourself. And literally won nothing since. That's the thing that got me. You did all that, created all those rifts, and you, and then won nothing after. That is my favorite. And I, I will forever remember the draft they had, number one, with Derrick Rose. And, they, and I, like, they turned to him. He's like pumping his fist. And he's all pumped. They did nothing. Oh, it, it was so much you with all these draft picks, Jerry Krause. You do, have done nothing since. Like like Jay-Z said, look, people say that saying they made hope. So I said, okay, so make another hove. Yeah, that's the point. You ain't make nothing. No, I don't think – I think saying he didn't make nothing is too far. I'm just saying, my, my thing is this. When you have Michael Jordan, it becomes way way easier. When you had, Given, Phil, when you had Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, it, Dennis Rodman. It makes, it, it, it makes everything way easier. And the perfect proof of the pudding is the Bulls haven't even been in the Eastern Conference Finals since. Without those teams, like you've had – decades to prove something and none of your teams have done anything yep it's just crazy man to see all this and to see michael jordan talk about the cocaine what they call it the cocaine circus or the cocaine caravan something like that something like that somebody said everybody on that 1984-85 team saying uh i wasn't in that room or i left with michael (laughs) trying to explain to their family (laughs) where they were what they was doing but, yeah, I mean, that whole thing is just crazy watching Michael Jordan at this stage being able to reflect. And it's cool that he that they gave them all that access and they can reflect on it in the way that they are. You I'm know, curious it, about other superstars if there's any of that kind of footage laying around. Because I don't – the general public didn't know this footage existed. You know? I, I just appreciate it. I was young to watch Michael Michael uh, Jordan. It was It was good for me to watch him. I mean, I saw him live. The appreciation that I had the other night watching him, I always talk about a young Kobe, how hungry Kobe is, how how dominant Kobe was when he was younger. This gives me a different perspective because I didn't see old Michael Jordan, but I'd, I'd seen groomed Michael Jordan, who was great. Um, but it was good to see the young lion, uh, the young tiger, to be able to pop culture nowadays, the young tiger, uh, how hungry he was, how Magic and Bird knew he was coming, how hard he worked. Um, I, I These are things that I knew. But to actually see it, to watch his athleticism, I mean, I knew he was athletic. We've seen it. I'm just saying to actually really, I don't know, really get a good comprehension of somebody who wasn't there to watch it live was impactful for me. It's time to watch Scotty and the Worm this Sunday. You ready for it? Yes, sir. Rat me, boys! Big shout to Shrinkables! Shrinkables, supporting the RVK partnership since day one. Here we go again. It's JN Fiend with the big brother. I also hate Pitt in the building. Say, what's up, son? What up? 
here we are. And this week, we actually have sports. We talked about the last dance on Sundays. We can't wait for that. Watching it every every single Sunday like it's a game. But now, we also have the NFL Draft. Thursday. It's not going to be the same draft as, as we've seen before, Brandon. It's going to be a little different, but does it really matter? Players are coming off the boards, going to NFL teams. We know which, you know, the Bengals, the number one overall pick, is picking Joey Burrow. Chase Young is probably going to the Redskins. But still, like our favorite teams, we get to watch. Like, I'm not saying we're getting back to total normality, because obviously we're not. But the NFL draft is a staple. We're excited for it. And it's something just to distract us a little bit more. I agree. And I'm ready for it, too. I'm excited because it's a new beginning and you don't know what's going to happen. Even though the Bengals have allegedly informed Joey Burrow he's going to be the number one pick, you never know until the name is actually called. That's true. And the top, I mean, there's like two of the top four teams. I know the Giants and uh, another team who said they're open for business. Who knows who's going to move up to go where to pick when? That's what excites me. Uh, I'm pumped for it. But we as Mountaineer Nation, we should be even more excited because we have a few names that can go off the board. But the special one, the main one that we're talking about is Kenny Robinson. We remember him. We remember the pick. We remember the pick six against Texas. We remember all the things that he did. Obviously, skipped his last year of eligibility to go to the XFL. Eventually, landed in the XFL, and now, and now, they're talking about him being a top two pick. I didn't expect. Did you expect that, Brandon? You mean top two rounds? Top two rounds. Excuse me. Excuse. Excuse me. <laughs> top two very, rounds. Very important distinction. A lot of money difference in <laughs> in what you're saying. Yeah. No, I. I expected it when he was in college. Once he wasn't in college anymore, I wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't know how the NFL was going to view him being in the XFL. I didn't know how – I mean, you know, he was successful there. I didn't know how all of that stuff looked. I didn't know if they were worried about character issues. I didn't know. And then I saw the mock drafts where he was going 27th and one, um, and my eyes were opened. The funny thing about him is the dude's a ball hawk. No question. He always finds the ball no matter where he's at. I question his speed. And I know at safety, you don't have to be super fast. So I expected him to be good. I expected him to be an All-American at West Virginia. I didn't know he was that talented until he got to the XFL. That's me personally. Once again, I you know, you can put it, write it up, Jay and Fiend's big whiffs. But if you'd have told me he's going in the top two rounds of the NFL draft, I'd have said, eh, I don't know. I don't think so. And now no, here I, we are, and they talking big time for him. I'm real curious because fit fit matters a lot too. Being with the right organization makes a huge difference. But one of the biggest things that, that is going on right now and is being shared all over the place is that letter that he wrote. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so when you leave West Virginia, I mean, you know, he left West Virginia. We're kind of in the dark. All Mountaineer Nation is kind of in the dark. I'm in the dark. I don't think you knew, really knew a whole lot what was going on. But here we have a guy who was all Big 12, supposed to come back, and now he's just gone. You know, everybody hears little rumblings about this and that. I think he did a very intelligent thing, and he wrote a letter to the NFL GMs. If you read the letter, for me, I felt like it was impactful. And the letter was people, carried by the Players' Tribune. Yeah, Sometimes I feel like um, there's certain things that's just a bunch of hot air, like, okay, whatever. His his letter that he wrote to the GMs, if you've read it, is very well articulated. 
I think it's very honest. I think it's very open. I think he talked about the things that he was going through at the time. He talks about, you know, his mom having cancer and different things his family was going through at the particular moment. Then he also takes the weight of cheating at school on a test. I think it was a test or maybe it was a paper. Um, he takes that on his shoulders. He said, look, I did it. I made a mistake. This was my fault. And I learned from it. He's like, honestly, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I thought it was going to be like a little slap on the wrist. I'd be back in school, you know, within a week. And then they said, no, you're dismissed from the team. But like he said, he didn't make a grumbling. He didn't say, oh, well, I can't believe. No, he's like, no, it was my fault. But I told my mama, hey, look, I'm going to take care of you one day. And he said, and to that end, I worked for it. I went to the XFL. And when I turned 21, instead of being out partying, I was looking over the playbook over and over again. Um, he was just talking about his work ethic and how he's the most NFL-ready player in college football because of his experience in the XFL. I just think the whole thing was well-articulated, and it didn't feel forced or like crap to me. Now, I'm not the biggest expert, but for me, I feel differently about him. Not that I ever had a sour note about Kenny Robinson. I just didn't know. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't know have, what went I, on. I didn't have any. I didn't have any hard feelings towards the guy. Um, I knew that what the rumor was that there was a cheating scandal. I didn't know exactly what it was, so I respect that he owned up to that because he could have easily have just gone on and not said anything about it publicly, you know. Because he could have left that all in the past and let the past be the past, as so many people have, we've heard say before. <laughs> let the past uh, be the past. You um, said you said as so many uh, so many guilty people have said. <laughs> so many guilty people have said before, um, and he could have gone just straight to the NFL and just done his thing and forgotten all about WVU, but he didn't. Uh, he didn't forget about what happened there, uh, and he didn't expect the GMs to forget what happened there. And like you said, he took ownership of it, and I respect that. Um, and he did. He's, I don't think he surprised me because I always thought Kenny Robinson was that dude. I really did. Um, freshman All-American, All-Big 12, freshman All-Big 12. I just wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure. Well, when your peers, I mean, when the media recognizes you from a school like West Virginia, then usually you are legit, you know? So we'll see what happens. We'll see where he goes. I'm hoping he goes first round because it never hurts. It helps. does nothing but help WVU if you get another first-round pick. Um, I wonder how they'll announce it. If they'll announce it from the XFL or if they'll announce it from WVU. That's funny. That's really funny because I never thought about that. And they better announce it from West Virginia. But I don't know. Maybe he will go XFL. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm real curious. But you know what? I feel like that'll tell us how the NFL felt about the XFL. If they say the XFL team, that means that they have some kind of respect or they – appreciated the minor league system, quote-unquote, that the XFL was given. I doubt – I. you know what? I, if, I had to, if I had to bet, I doubt they say XFL team. I, I, I say they go college team. All right. Because I think they're going to go XFL because he's a whole year removed from from college. But the XFL doesn't even exist anymore. So it's all – it's curious. It's all curious to me. We'll see. But my bet is the XFL just because that's how things go for us. Yep. But listen, we got something to watch. There it is, Thursday night. Tune in, watch the first round, watch it get down, and hopefully Kenny Robinson gets selected. And boo Roger Goodell. Rack me, boys! I want to say real quick, at Mike Logan's request, he wanted me to let you know that when we did Rapid Fire, he answered under extreme emotional duress, and his answer is sentimental. It's because of his grandfather. 
So when you get to the part, you'll know what he's talking about. It's the question between the Mountaineers and the Steelers, and he wanted me to share that with you. But here we go with another Golden Blue interview. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, member of the Raspy Voice Kids, and you are joining the RVK today as we get another old gold and blue interview. Today we have a Jacksonville Jaguar, a Pittsburgh Steeler, a West Virginia Mountaineer, a member of the West Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, a legend in his own right, the pride of McKeesport, Pennsylvania, Mr. Mike Logan. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate that introduction, man. And uh, it was starting to put a little some chill bumps on the back of my uh, back of my neck. Man, I felt like I was running out that tunnel again, get ready to see the old faithful. Man, we would love to see it. We would love to see it. Hey, listen, if I if I could uh, put them uh, uniform on and, and and run back through there, I would do it without a doubt, man. Now you had an amazing career on so many different levels. Uh, one of the questions I have for you is that your career really did not get to do what it could have done at West Virginia because of the injuries. Do you still have trouble with your arm from all the breaks? Not so much. I mean, there is some uh, mobility that I in the in the arm injuries that I had, but that was the tail of my entire career, even at West Virginia. Um, you know, with the three breaks that I had on the same arm, it followed me. It just went down to the lower extremities as I went into my NFL career. And if I, I mean, I had a wonderful career. I have no regrets about anything in my career, but if I could go back and change one thing just for the fans' enjoyment would be to not be so injury-prone and take some of those injuries out of my career and just let me see how I could have played and flourished through it all. But I believe that adversity that I had to go through to always recover and come back and play with a big cast on if I had to or play with a knee brace on, that's what made the player Mike Logan, and that's what made the reality of being able to come back and persevere through all of the adversity. So, you know, it, it it's kind of – a gift and a curse thing, but um, I appreciate all of the, the support through it all. I mean, there were loyal fans who just rocked with me through my entire uh, career, and, and I truly, truly appreciate them. Well, being one of those fans who rocked with you for sure, um, in my verse on West Virginia Anthem, I had to shout out Mike Logan, Aaron Beasley. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it because my first game that I ever attended was with my dad and my two brothers, 1993 we went and saw you guys play Miami wow. in Morgantown. That was the first game I ever went to. Wow, man. We appreciate the shout-out. And um, it, it's funny because I was talking to West Virginia great Mike Collins today. We were chatting it up a little bit. and He sent a, um, he sent a clip of, I believe it was the Louisville game that we played um, in 1993, I think it was. It, I mean, it, that, that whole – season was just so magical and miraculous man being a we were able to finish up undefeated those memories stick with me in my heart even more than some of my pro games man I mean it, it was just an unbelievable uh time and, and me and B's two of the amigos of the four we appreciate the shout out man now 
As a freshman in 93, you recovered a Boston College fumble at the WVU 37-yard line with 2.23 to go, and it set up the final scoring drive. And then you had an interception against Glenn Foley in the end zone to end the game. What was that like? Bro, as a freshman, yeah, being of a team that went undefeated and having an impact on completing the season was just – I mean, the feeling that I had back then, I said, it doesn't get any better than this. It can't get any better than this. Because the way I was embraced by my teammates who were seniors who had put in hard work, dedication uh, at the program, and they accepted me with open arms, that's what made me feel special. And that's how I knew that I made the right decision in choosing West Virginia University because I had teammates that were so accepting of who I was as a person on the field and a person off the field, that's what made it special. So to capitalize all of that in those two plays to end the regular season undefeated, I mean, you, you really – I really can't show my gratitude enough to the seniors on that team and all the upperclassmen who just, just accepted me. How did you end up in Morgantown? <laughs> well, as as uh, everyone knows who follows me, I am born and raised in the city of Pittsburgh. I was born on the south side of Pittsburgh in uh, St. Clair Village, and I've lived, you know, in Pittsburgh my whole life. So naturally, when I uh, graduated high school, I thought I was going to be a Pitt Panther. I just thought that was going to be a given because, you know, my my family was entrenched in Pitt football and Pittsburgh Steelers football. So I thought that would be the, the path for me. Fortunately, unfortunately, Paul Hackett, who was the coach at the University of Pittsburgh at that time, didn't feel that my, my talents were special enough to um, warrant a, a full-ride scholarship to the University of Pittsburgh. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to go to your biggest rival drive down 79 to uh, West Virginia University, and I'm going to kick your ass for four years. And <laughs> lo and behold, I went undefeated against University of Pittsburgh during my tenure at West Virginia. So um, I, I can't say that it was my it was my first choice, but it was definitely my, my second choice because of guys like Major Harris, uh, Mike Booth, Johnny Harper, Tim Brown, um, West Virginia was definitely one of my number one schools, but I just thought that I would be and just accepted into the University of Pittsburgh because I was born and raised here. But um, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. All right, so you ended up at WVU. You represented 4-0 against Pitt, which we always love. As you know, my name is I Also Hate Pitt, just in case anybody was wondering anything about me. And you talked about that 93 season, the freshman season, the high, the highest of all highs, but then the low came in the Sugar Bowl. What happened in that game? Um, Bourbon Street. That's what we wanted. Bur- keep it real. This, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be completely honest. Keep it 100 with you. Uh, a guy like me, you know, I was born in in, in Saint Clair Village, raised in Whitaker Projects, moved to McKeesport, stayed in Harrison Village. Um, I really haven't traveled too much. Uh, during my, my young 
uh, career at that point. I think I was 18 years old, maybe 19, um, when we when we made that trip to New Orleans. And just the atmosphere was so overwhelming that I couldn't control myself. And I wasn't mature enough at that time. And I think a lot of us weren't mature enough at that time to be able to handle the atmosphere down there. Uh, I actually ended up getting sick down there, um, partly probably hung over and not knowing what that really was. And then um, also had a little stomach flu during the week. And I remember me and Matt Safoni were quarantined in a room because we were both, we both ended up getting sick, but we did a lot of partying. We turned New Orleans out on the party scene, but then we laid a dud when it came to the bowl game. And we, we played a very talented team. Do not get me wrong. We played a very talented team that was hungry, but for a team that really didn't want to be there and we really didn't want to be there because we felt like we deserved to play in the national championship game. And we felt that was just like a consolation game for us. And that's not saying that we didn't put out effort and, and, and go out and represent, but I, I think it was a little too much partying and we just played a very talented team who were on their A game that day. Was Jake Kelsner ever carried home because he drank so much? <laughs> um, I can't testify to that, but I've heard some stories uh, about about Jake the Snake. But I'm going to tell you what, there was a lot of us who were struggling to make it back to our rooms for curfew down in New Orleans for that Sugar Bowl. And you, uh, I'm being honest. Have you seen a team more talented or more successful than that 93 team at WVU since your time? Um. There were some teams over the past couple of years that I felt the talent level was there, but we had, back then, we had offensive and defensive uh, players who were just outstanding. I mean, both sides of the ball, and even on special teams, because early in the 93 season, my impact was all on special teams. I mean, me and Rasan Vanderpool were the deep return men, and we had a, a lot of returns uh, that set the offense up to go in and score. And, you know, some of these teams of late, they've just been offensive-minded teams that can run up scores uh, at any time during the game. But back then, we played all three phases of the game, offensively, defensively. I know that uh, that 93 team and that 96 team, uh, defensively, we were, we were probably the best in the country. So there you have it. There's some talented teams, but 93 reigns supreme. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, I'm not taking away anything from um, the teams that uh, went on to have some great success and won some bowl games big. Um, I'm glad they carried the torch. But we were on a Zoom call last night. There was a alumni kind of a Zoom call with generations of Mountaineer, that- former, former Mountaineer players. Was that Pac-Man and, and Pat McAfee and Steve Slayton uh, and Pat oh, White? Bro. bro, all of those guys were on there. Mike Lorello. Daryl Talley was on the call, man. Um, I saw I saw some of it. I saw Blaine Stewart posted some of it. Oh, man, Blaine was on. Bro, I mean, Tim Brown, Mike Collins, Mike Booth, um, just, just some legends of the program, uh, JT Thomas. Just 
just hearing uh, some of those guys' voices, seeing some of those guys, and seeing how the program just evolutionized um, after we left, and then those guys carrying the torch, and then just coming together on a common bond, and we all said the same thing. You know, how special of a place Morgantown, West Virginia is, and how special of a program West Virginia University is for football. Um, you know, when, when you come in there, it, it's basically, we're all we got, man. And we're going to bond together as um, brothers and as family while we're here. And we're just going to, you know, bring all of our talents out uh, on the field. And then we're going to party it up off the field, but we're going to keep it in perspective and, put, and play some good football. And I think we, you know, we, we all did that. And uh, for us to just all come together last night on that call and make some new relationships with some of the younger guys, I think that's only going to enhance what West Virginia football is all about going forward. So who's your favorite Mountaineer not named Mike Logan? Don Nealon. Don Nealon. All right. That's an excellent choice. You built the brand. They should put a statue out by now. Listen, without question, and if it wasn't for Don Nealon, Mike Logan went on to accomplish some of the things that he accomplished. I remember him sitting me down in his office, and I told this story for a forward in his book that, um, uh, that was written, um, Tales from the Sideline. And he sat me down in his office, and he said, listen, you're a young guy. I got to school. I got to college when I was 17 years old. And I got in some trouble my, my, my true freshman year down there in the dorms. And he said, listen, if you can just keep your head above water, not get in any trouble, I guarantee you that you'll make a lot of money by playing on Sundays. And at first, I just kind of took that information and really didn't put too much thought into it or invest too much into it. But after I started to get hurt and I was um, coming through that adversity and all that work that was put in, I said, okay, I got to bring some of this through fruition. And Don Nealon instilled that confidence in me that I could do it. So for me, Coach Nealon was the ultimate mountaineer for me, even though he wasn't out there on the field with us making plays. But the impact that he had on my life, he, he has to be the greatest mountaineer for me. I love it. Mine is Tavon, even though I love Major and Pat White. I mean, listen, now don't get me wrong. I admire a lot of players out on the field. Major Harris being um, one who I just I, I idolized as a football player. I'll just be honest. I idolized Major Harris as a football player. Plus, I knew his history from being from Pittsburgh. You know, there's legendary folktale stories Major Harris up here in Pittsburgh. But um, there was a lot of great players Canute Curtis um, yeah. was a linebacker. Um, guys like Henry Slay. Yeah. Uh, Orton. I mean, I've seen some, some, some talented brothers. I mean, Pat White, um, Amos Zeraway. <laughs> I, I mean, I've I seen some very, very talented football players um, that played with me, played before me, and played after me. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just gracious to be a part of that, man. I mean, to be in that special fraternity of brothers, um, 
you know, I, I, I expressed this in my Hall of Fame speech, man. I just, everything that I had been through down there, I didn't, I didn't know if that would materialize into, you know, a Hall of Fame career. I didn't know if I had enough games under my belt just because I missed so much time. But when I talked to people who said that they, you know, voted me in, they were like, we looked at the impact that you had when you were out there and what you were able to accomplish. And um, that just made me feel so special. And that's why I always have a place in my heart for Old Faithful. So when I come down there, man, I interact with the fans. I have a good time. I still uh, keep up with a lot of Mountaineer fans on social media. They're the reason I started getting on Twitter more because they said I don't tweet enough. They said you got to get on there and interact a little <laughs> bit. So um, I've been I've been uh, socializing with a lot of Mountaineer fans through social media. All right, we, this we are with West Virginia Sports Hall of Famer Mike Logan, legendary ball player for the West Virginia Mountaineers. It is now time to do our rapid fire section of the uh, Golden Blue interview. Are you ready for this? Uh, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, Doritos, Cool Ranch, or Nacho Cheese? Nacho Cheese. What's the best Pop Tart? Cinnamon sugar. Does ketchup go on hot dogs? Of course. Heinz. Beer or whiskey? Whiskey. Lion King or Toy Story? Ooh, Lion King. College football or the NFL? College football. Steelers or WVU? Ooh. Um, Steelers because of my grandfather. Corner or safety? Corner. Best fast food French fry? McDonald's. Great, great answer. Popeyes or Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. All right, now, here's a question. You got to keep it real with us. Do you you pee in the swimming pool? No. Good answer. That's the best answer. (laughs) And and that's only... And that's only because I, I got young kids now, man. I'm trying to, you know, it, it's funny because um, he, he's in swimming lessons now, man. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure that he understands that he can't be letting it go in the pool, you know. Not right now, anyway. You got to set the right example. But, you got to set the right example. But I will say this: there may have been a time when I was inebriated, and I don't know what happened. So <laughs> probably in New Orleans. <laughs> it was probably in New Orleans. <laughs> well, Mike Logan, we thank you so much for your time. We know you're a busy guy. You got kids. You got a life, but you've made time for the Raspberry Voice kids and the Golden Blue interview. So we thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. And we're going to let you go. We're not going to keep you on here very much longer. We just want to let you go. Uh, but we want to let you know that we are thankful. We wish you nothing but the best in all your endeavors. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Listen, man, let's, let's keep this rapport going. Um, a lot of the alumni guys, we were just talking about this, man. We want to be more involved in the program. We want to be more involved with the fans. We want to be more involved with the media down there. So anytime that you guys want to reach out, get some sound from me, please reach out because uh, we want to make this relationship last for a lifetime. We just don't want to go down there, uh, play football, graduate, and leave the program. We are all family, man. So when you guys want to reach out, please do. I'll I'll, I'll jump at the opportunity whenever I can, bro. Sounds great.
Podcast Network.